excited to have you. It took us a while, but the world has now heard you and the world is now here. So tell everybody um, hello. Hello. And so a little bit about um, Karana. She is, she is sort of like myself in regards to the fact that you are doing so many amazing things at the same time. And, and right. you know, I shared with you that I follow what you're doing in the real estate world. You're doing some incredible things there. Um, yes, indeed. At the same time, you got um, your music that I'd love for you to talk to the audience about. Um, and then anything else you have. I love the fact that I'm not the only person that's super busy. So tell everybody a little bit about yourself and some of the things that you are up to. Oh, man. So um, I'm a realtor. Specializing in listing homes, uh, semi-retired carpenter. So that's how I transitioned into that side of the business. You are a um, carpenter? How did I miss that? I'm a carpenter by trade. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I I usually don't tell everybody because inevitably people want me to work on a project. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I said semi-retired. So yes, I am a carpenter, union trained journeyman. Um, so I sell real estate by day. I also am, I'm a creative person. I am creative. And I, I distinguish that between creating. Mm. Um, so when you are creative, it's just in you and you just, you think differently than, than others who are not creative it's not a chore for me i just create i love all things art from the visual arts i can draw i sing i write um, music I, I write lyrics i'm not a musician um but i do have a strong ear for music and arranging and um and i'm an aspiring filmmaker i've written some some what will be filmed to be put out and uh yeah. Wow. So, um, about the music, tell us a little bit about the music. I know you've got a couple of things in the works there with the music. Yes. Yeah, so I am a lyricist and I like to write for others who are performing artists, any genre, whatever I feel is what I write. Um, I typically write in the moment that I feel something, um, and that way I get the, it, it's pretty organic. If I don't write it or if I don't do a voice note right away, I will probably lose it. Mm. And um, I just, I'd like to write. I'm, right now I'm kind of in a praise and worship zone. I'm an old-fashioned church girl, so I'm, I write a lot of different um, gospel and inspirational things. How did you start that? How did you get into doing and writing music? Ah, that's, that's funny. So back... And I think it was 1995, my cousin was managing a recording artist. And I went to him, I called him up, and I wanted him to put me on, get me a deal. And I was harassing him to help me get a deal because I knew nothing about the music business. And he's my father's older cousin. Gotcha. So he was, he, he met me at, um, when he came to town, he came home one time and he met me at the community center and he was, you know, making me sing and, and 
he just had me singing the scales and doing all this stuff that I thought was so ridiculous. And then he sat me down and he said, write this down. He said, get the book, all you need to know about the music business. And then I want you to go to the library and learn every single thing you can about music publishing. And, and I was offended and I'm mad. And he saw my face change and he said, listen, I'm not going to look at Jimmy, who's my dad. He said, I'm not going to look at Jimmy and tell him you got ripped off because you didn't know what the business is really about. Now go learn and you call me back. Wow. And what I happened? was so yeah. mad, but I listened to him. I went and got the book, okay. All You Need to Know About the Music Business. And then I went and I did some other research. In 94, there was no internet. At least it, it, I didn't have access to it if it was if it even existed. <laughs> and so um, I had to go to the library and I had to do some research and I was writing out every single thing. I took copious notes on everything that I learned in all of these books that I checked out. And so um, I, I put it away. I started to write and he told me, you need to learn how to write. He Whitney Houston was still really big at the time. He said, Whitney has number one after number one after number one. He said, but Whitney is not making the money. Oh, that's right. He said, the writer, exactly. He said, the writer is the person who makes the money. And I had children. He said, that will be your legacy, your songwriting. Mm -hmm. And I was still mad, but I listened to him because I respected him. So, um, fast forward to me, and I started writing. He told me, write every day. I don't care what you do, write every day, because you're going to get better. He said, you're not going to be good right now, but write every single day. Learn about the craft of songwriting. And so I did what my cousin told me to do. Life kept happening, and I didn't really pursue it. Um, But I continued to work on that craft. So... Fast forward some years, and I had a lot more life experiences, and my children grew. Now I can focus more on what I would love to do. And um, I just, I, I performed. I was living in Las Vegas, and I performed at this festival. It was a really big festival, but I did a cover song. I did a Karen Clark Shears song. You lived in Las and Vegas. I, huh. I did. I lived in Vegas for seven years, and I knew then that I wanted to get back into music because it was it was a jolt. It was a thrill for me to take the stage, and especially that was my largest crowd. I remember on the news they said there was a, about twenty thousand people. I'm like, what? That so um, that that I posted it on Facebook. I posted something about it on Facebook, and a friend of mine who was in the music business in New York City. He inboxed me, and within maybe two weeks, um, I was being flown to New York um, to work with uh, some really, really heavy hitters in the business. Mm. And um, I've never let go ever since then um, of the writing. I knew I had to get deeper. I had to get better. I had to continue pursuing, and um, here I am. I tell you, I um I love everything about what you shared with us, and there's one piece that resonates with me, um, personally, and that is the fact that you know you had things in your life that you took care of, including your family, and I, I think that a lot of times I've run into this where sometimes it's the fact that you know 
I re-immersed myself in all creative pursuits at different points in life, right? You know, you, you have family and, you're, and at certain points you get back in. And I think it's almost, um, it's almost discounted. And the fact that I, that you, you know, persevered through all of that is powerful. It's just such a great lesson for all of us, no matter where you are, whether you're 15 or you're 58, it doesn't matter. Right. That, so I really love what you said there. Thank you. Um, so tell us now about, tell us some of the things that you're doing today and some of the things you you got going on. You mentioned that at the beginning, but what's some of the upcoming stuff that you have I am so I have been bit by the acting bug Ah. and (laughs) over the last three years I've been doing some plays around Atlanta I worked I did a lot of production and behind the scenes work um, on production on plays TV pilots films um, that type of thing but I love being just immersed in a different character, being able to be someone else, being able to translate different experiences that I've had in my life and put that into the character. And so I'm acting, um, I'm in a play. I did a TV pilot that I was really just a extra, a featured extra. And then I got called back to do, um, you know, some more episodes. So that's still in, in the works. That is great. That is awesome. Well, let me ask you a question. Like, as an actor, and I've never asked anyone on the podcast this question before. If you had a choice to play, uh, like, a, a superhero character of some kind, or a really, really dastardly villain, which would you choose and why? Wow, that's a great question, Renee. I... Ooh, I may actually want to take on the villain. Oh. And, and I can refer to Killmonger in Black Panther. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. Um, I related to him. He's one of the best his, villains ever, right? In my opinion. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And But his story was tragic because he was, you know, pretty much his father was, was killed. And, you know, he had a disconnect from his heritage. And, and it turned him into the monster that he was, a killmonger. <laughs> um, so I, I'd be very interested to, to personify that. You know, that is so interesting and, uh, that you brought that character up. Because every time I think about that character, that character is almost like a metaphor for, like, sometimes us African-Americans. <laughs> and I think he even mentioned that. Yeah, he even mentions part of that in his in his story and me personally i the best movies or the best shows or the best stories that i like has a villain in which the villain doesn't perceive him him or herself as a villain they right. they perceive themselves as doing the right thing but it's right. it's, ain't, it's not done so <laughs> so thank you for indulging me asking answering a question i've never asked anyone on the podcast before that's pretty well, cool. honored to be the first <laughs> so speaking of that though uh, speaking of, of kind of cool movies that you uh, you know that you're into, what's a cool movie that you kind of dug your teeth into recently? And it don't have to be a movie; it could be a movie or a play or a book, something like that. Yeah. Oh wow! Um, 
isolated from the creative. Nope, I'm telling the story. My sister actually got a, a role, a, an extra role in the uh, movie. What's that with Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx? Uh, Mur Just Murphy. Oh, you so mean the one that just came out last yeah, end of yeah, 2019? Like, oh, yeah. Right. Like, so my little sister, she was in the choir scene, and some people look at it and they think it's me. But that's actually my sister. They mix us up. They say we look just alike. So if you see someone think it's me in that church scene, uh -huh. that is my sister. How was that movie? Um, I, I didn't get a chance to see that yet. The How movie is really good. And, and I love that it's a true story. Um, and it, it made me to do some, some looking up of, of the actual characters and um, and find out some some things about the guy's life. You know, he he was wrongfully incarcerated, and uh, it was it was all true. And, really? And this, yeah, and the character that Michael B. Jordan played, he just had a passion for you know helping the the minorities get justice. That is so unfortunate, but the reality at least from my view, is that that happens far too often. Very often. You know, that someone is incarcerated based on something that's got nothing to do with evidence, and then next thing you know, they spent a, a decent amount, if not their whole life, uh -huh. incarcerated. Um, yes. You know, and I think about what we're doing here as far as this organization. I think about those, those gentlemen, those guys and ladies who are involved in that, and my belief is, and and I know this because I know some people who are like that. But they are creative as much as anybody else. Absolutely. Um, and oftentimes, creative people have energy they don't know how to expend. Um, we often have psychological challenges. Um, we get in our heads. People don't often understand us. Yeah. We're not... We're not often able to communicate effectively what we think or what we feel and then get frustrated. A lot of us get frustrated, hence a lot of uh, creatives committing suicide. They feel so alone and disconnected yeah, exactly from right. everyone around them. Yeah, and the other piece is that when someone is involved in a situation like that, say, you know, they're incarcerated or, they're, or they've committed suicide, it has such a widespread effect beyond the person absolutely you know like i've had people close to my family who have been incarcerated there are people who have been part of uh, that have committed taken their own life and you would think that you know someone on the surface would say oh well you know he looks like he's all together but all of the trauma that happens from all of that is real for every single yes. one of us right yes and one thing um Everything that we're, we're discussing right now is very personal to me. Um, I have a docu-series that I'm working on, and it started um, because I wanted to tell the stories of the family, the impact on the families from the perpetrators. Um, you often hear, you know, the news talks about the victims all the time. No matter what the crime is, they'll talk about, you know, the victim, if there's a victim. And... Um, I have two relatives who were executed in the state of Ohio for murder. Oh, my. And my entire family felt that. Um, when they, one of my cousins, when they were searching for him, they searched 
the homes of every family member, including my parents. My grandmother was held at gunpoint by the FBI. Um, my uncles, I mean, everybody in my family. And we, we felt that impact. And we also had someone that we loved who was killed by the state of Ohio. You know, other people had a different view of him, but that was, to him, he wasn't that guy. Mm. To us, he wasn't that guy. And so, it's very traumatic. Very traumatic. And, you know, for his daughter, when she graduated high school, she got booed. She didn't do anything. She was a kid. Oh, my goodness. So, I I can totally relate. And, And on the other hand, with a suicidal person, um, oftentimes they're just in such great pain, emotional pain, that they just want it to end. Well, for them, the pain ends, but it transfers to everyone who loved them. That's right. It's a collateral effect. It's like a ripple in the pond. Exactly, exactly. And they don't see beyond their pain. And and it's, it's really sad. Sometimes it can be prevented, but, um, you know, sometimes it's uh, someone who didn't really reach out. Yeah, it's so traumatic, isn't it? It's it's just so traumatic. Like the thing, what you just mentioned about the young lady, that is going to be with her for the rest of her life. For the rest of her life, absolutely. And absolutely. in some ways, hopefully not in any detrimental way, but in some ways it might be transferred to the person that she loves and to her own children. It's just, it's, it's a really challenging thing and I think sometimes we think that I think we take these situations like singularities like it has happened and they're over you know mm-hmm. like I think and it, it, yeah. it can transfer but she I'm happy to report that she is doing exceptional um That's fantastic. she's got her master's degree she's you know raised her two kids or um, one's a college graduate already one is in college um they're both well-adjusted uh young men a uh, man and woman um her, now, her siblings, she has one brother who is on, uh, I don't think he's on death row, but her brother mm-hmm. um, did commit a murder, and the first thing they mentioned was the dad. So the cycle was not broken. Gotcha. Um, I tell you, she's so wonderful. There's so many, and I'm not saying that I've broken this cycle, but sometimes we, when we see something like that happen in our lives that is traumatic, we like go the opposite way. I yeah. wouldn't say the right way, but the opposite way. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and that I am so pleased to hear about her and her her young ones. And I tell you, this is constant battle. I, I, you know, I know this is off of our original topic, but this is such an awesome conversation. I, I tell you, when I hear about people and they, uh, you know, they're affected by crime and and whether it's crime violence or shootings and all of those things i just think like my goodness it's not really about the people that were that even about the perpetrators and the victims because in a lot of cases they got they got hurt or they Uh lost their lives but it's like so many people it's like it's a generational thing and i got an opinion that it has an effect on like a whole country yes like, yeah. uh, like everybody in the country is running around like mad about this or that, and we'll veil it and we'll say, oh, well, it's about this group. It's about the immigrants or it's about uh, religious groups. 
or someone else and is not really is we're creating trauma on ourselves yes yes and and you just made me reflect on the book by dr george bruce yes. post-traumatic syndrome i read that book from cover to cover yes it's not just just slavery it's traumatic experiences throughout the history of us and the cycle continues you're exactly right. I, there's this one point that I shared with some friends about how, like, when we're, like, involved in stuff and, like, there's this moment where there's, like, this uncontrollable anger that'll happen, like, when you're having some meeting or you're with a group of people and no one can explain, like, why yeah. someone is so mad about something <laughs> and, yeah. and where that's coming from. And she explains it so clearly that it's part of the heritage of the trauma that's been passed down genetically. To, to all of us, you know, and, 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 you know, that book, I tell you, you never know how life works, Talana, for us to work together and to be together, so that book in conjunction with this organization, in conjunction with that conversation, I'm hoping that someone says, you know, what is that? I need to know more about <laughs> um, yes. post-traumatic slave syndrome or about what they're talking about, you know. Yes. And I'm actively working. Um, my pastor has has talked to me several times, and I've been asked for years. Um, but I'm actively working to create um, a curriculum, so to speak, for prison ministry. Mm. Um, yes, I'm, I'm definitely actively serving in church, uh, and and it's important to me because I have so many varying experiences um something i don't really share um with many people but what the hey if this can help someone i will i have um two sons incarcerated oh. and the the past maybe three weeks i don't know why it just hit me but the past three weeks have been so heavy for me um both of my sons called me on the same day which almost never happens even christmas and my birthday they almost never call at the same on the same day and they called back to back and when i tell you i have been in this place i can't even articulate what that place is but it has been so heavy on me since that day um I haven't had all of my children. I'm a mother of four. I haven't had all four of my children together since 2011. Mm-hmm. And to not be able to hug my children, to not be able to see them, to do everything I can to be a surrogate to my granddaughter while my son is not there, it's it's heavy. It's heavy, and I want to be able to go into um, the prisons, to the schools, to the colleges, anybody who will listen to me and explain to them the impact. Um, I, I have a blog. I'm, I'm not sure if I still have it posted, but it was titled Diary of a Brokenhearted Mother. Mm. Um, because I really feel that. It's like a part of me is in prison. I can see that. 
translating into so many stories just that title alone absolutely absolutely and, and i posted that i think i did post the blog because i got a lot of feedback and mothers were some of the mothers made me feel bad about feeling bad because some of the mothers that responded on my facebook said well my son got murdered oh my god and so there's so much trauma, but I, it's a part of my docu-series where I'm going to um, most definitely dig into these stories. I'm going to travel around the country. I'm going to um, help people just talk through their trauma and, and hopefully heal well, you know, to um, some degree, if not completely. You know, one of the things that you shared, and I, appreciate, I, I totally thank you for sharing um, everything you shared. I had this thought years ago, and even most recently, is that my family came from a third world country. I've uh, had a decent amount of, you know, in Jamaica, I've had a lot of people who have been incarcerated, very close to me. And I said to myself, I, I've got this ability or this expertise that I've accumulated in my first half decade, half century of life on this earth. I would love to be able to share this. Now, I know I didn't grow in the same environments of some people who are incarcerated or been incarcerated, but I'm telling you, Karana, right now, that that pri prison ministry that you're doing, let me know, because I want to help. And, awesome. and I want to be part of that. I have helped so many people figure out whether it's learning how to find a corporate world job or start a business or just be creative. Uh -huh. Um, I will do that with you. Oh my God, I got chills. Thank you. Because I'm saying to myself, there's two and a half million people in the United States of alone, which is like the next 10 countries combined in regards to incarceration. Of those two plus million people, most of them are African Americans. Yes. And that army of men want to do right in the world. Sure, some of them have done wrong. There's no doubt about it. But they, right now, they want to do right in the world. And yeah. it, it, it's, it's our obligation as human beings that God has created to serve and to love one another to find a way to help those men. Yes. Yes. It, it just is. They are not black men or white men or Latino men. They are men that God created. Yes. And another part of that is helping them reacclimate. Yes. When they get out, um, I have a cousin who was raised more like a brother because my uncle was in and out of prison his whole life, so my parents pretty much raised my cousin. And um, he was recently released after 15 years. Well, he didn't know how to use a computer. He didn't know. He just posted this on Facebook yesterday. Wow. He, social media did not exist when he got locked up. And, and there were so many things. And he did 15 that time, but he did seven prior to that. Yeah. Um, so he was out for maybe a year and a half. Um, he did seven out for a year and a half, and then he did 15. So 22 years, 22 of the last 23 years, he was incarcerated. So he missed change in 23 years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he missed a lot. And I'm trying to think. Let me see. He is only 44. Right now, he's only 44. So he spent pretty much his entire adulthood in prison. 
And, you know, the first stint, I, I wrote it out with him. I made sure he had children. I made sure they knew each other because they were by different women. Mm-hmm. I made sure those two knew each other. I made sure they were connected to our family. Um, but it gets exhausting. Um, one thing that I'm, I'm proud to say, I learned the lesson about um, being with certain types of men um, from watching my uncles. My father was the only one who had not been in prison. Mm-hmm. And my parents pretty much helped raise most of my first cousins. And I knew at a young, young age, I never wanted that to happen. I never wanted my children to experience that. So um, I'm glad that it sunk in as a kid. I mean, I, I don't think I was 10 years old when I knew that I didn't want that. I tell you, we learn lessons in so many ways. Um, we learn yeah. lessons from what people do and what they say. And especially, in my opinion, we learn from when people harm themselves or others. Yeah. Um, and we don't want to harm each other. It's just like a human thing. We want to be involved. We want to contribute to society. And we don't really want to hurt each other. At least not purposely. You know, right. it, it's a reaction sometimes to fear and to depression and anxiety when we decide to do those things. But that's not our that's not our nature. There's nothing in the, the nature of any human being that's ever been created that says I want to hurt another human being. Right. It just isn't. I, I know we right. took off the we went off the path, but I am <laughs> <laughs> I am I am so glad that we did. I really am. Um, I didn't I didn't expect uh I didn't expect this, but I'm I'm glad as well. Yeah, creativity is part of this, right? So when Absolutely. someone's sitting there and they're contemplating, or they are doing something that they deem may not be um, helpful to others, they can be creative, or they can say, you know what, let me go and figure it out. And I don't poo poo any kind of creativity. Like someone would say, well, someone we should be doing this kind of creativity now. So whether they're a scientist or a rapper or whatever it is that they're doing in between or anywhere else, it's all creative. Yes. It, it, it just really is. You know, yeah. it sounds like you've had a lot of people that have inspired you in your line. I your have. Life. You know, and you, you mentioned your, your parents, and it seems like they were an inspiration. Yes. Um, were there any others that might have had that effect on you? Oh, man, I have been... Um blessed to work with some amazing talents since I've been in Atlanta. Um, Crystal Nicole is one of my favorite songwriters. Uh, She's written for everybody, uh, from Maroon 5 to Beyonce. Um, I've I've worked with incredible songwriters like Trey Ace, producers like Mello, the producer. He's amazing. Um, Sam Peasy. I, I have a good friend slash mentor, Kevin Shine, who has an incredible ability to pull things out of me creatively and, and help me to peel back the layers and get to my truest self as a songwriter. Um, that, that relationship has helped me to be so much better of a writer and so much better at opening up to different things. When I write something and I see it or hear it a certain way, um, 
Kevin and the, and the team that he's uh, created has helped me to take my hands off of it and open up to letting other artists interpret my work. I was previously very sensitive and did not want anybody touching my work. This is what it is. <laughs> that is what it is. Leave it alone. That's, That's what right. it is. Don't touch, <laughs> Don't touch my stuff. I wrote it. I know how it should go. <laughs> and and being a part of that, it's called Writing Sessions America. Being a part of Writing Sessions has helped me to develop in that regard and and just stretching my stretching my box or burning the box down. Get out of the box. Um, so yeah, I've, those those are some of the people you know. But I came up like I said, my mother my mother was the most influential on the singing side. My mother can blow. Really. <laughs> So I get a sense that you can as well, but you don't know. So to speak. Um, I in I don't have the desire for it, so I think it comes out as I don't have the desire for it. Yeah. Um, sometimes when people hear me sing, they love my voice and they try to encourage me to sing, but it's not one of those things that I'm extremely passionate about. I love to sing in choirs. I love to sing with people, but it's just like drawing. Yes, I can draw, but if I don't feel like drawing, I don't want to draw. <laughs> I, I tell <laughs> and you, I, won't. I had the same thing. Like I did um, some acting probably about 15 years ago, and I got all this feedback that acting, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, you should continue on it. And I do, and I do dabble, but I tell you, when I started to write, which is something that I grew up with, like writing stuff, it just mm-hmm. felt like me. It just felt like who I was, you know. It's been so great to have you, Tawana. Like, if somebody wants to talk to you or they want to connect with you or reach out to you in some way, what are a couple of ways that they can do that? I am, like, like I said earlier, I'm an open book. All of my social media is the number one, Karana Hosey, K-A-R-O-N-N-A-H-O-S-E-Y. My cell phone number, and this is going directly to me, Six seven eight keep it professional but yes I do answer my phone I'm more of a texter especially to unknown numbers <laughs> but um, I'm open I love to work I love to help I have a true helper's heart um, so I was I was not created to create but I was created to serve and nice. I am here for that purpose that is beautiful so here's the last question for you you ready so there's someone today who is, wherever they listen to us, we have people listening to this podcast all over the planet Earth, and they're saying to themselves, you know what, I love everything that Karana says, um, but I got something going on, I can't be creative, or creativity is for someone else, and you had a chance to talk to that person, I'm not there, you're talking to them. What is one word you start the conversation with, and what do you tell them to make sure that they keep going creatively? Um, if it's only one word, yes. I don't dwell in those. If I have to say, because the word yes, yes is yes is infinite. Yeah, exactly. Whatever you what, whatever you think you can't do, put a yes on it, and then you can't you. You are as great or as empowered as you believe you are. 
If you dwell in the no, it will say no. But if you dwell on that yes, honey, you will get there. You just might need a nudge. You might need um, somebody to flip that switch. Like my big cousin did for me. He didn't he didn't give me what I thought I wanted at the time, but he gave me the gift of writing because he made me slow down, learn, and write. I'm going to ask you publicly, and thank you for that, if you would join us again in the future. Anytime. Thank you so much. And I've shared this, is that our goal, that we will be taking all of these great guidance from colleagues and participants like Karana and putting them in our first ever audio book by the end of this year. And then from there, we will be spending some time and really interviewing people throughout the entire creative landscape because there's so many people. I share all the time that Atlanta is such a gold mine of creatives. Absolutely. Where you can have this kind of conversation almost every day. Um, So I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I know we're doing this remotely, but if you saw me right now, I've got my hands clasped together in prayer and thanks for you joining us today. Uh, I think this has been so amazing. Any final words for our audience? Thank you for joining us today. Remember, God has given you the ability to create abundance and beauty in this world. Every moment is perfect and you are perfect. Join us on the Creative Circle on Facebook and our Creatives community via our website to receive exclusive productivity and creativity content. We are on all social media platforms and as the Rising Tides charity. And we hope that you will share with us a bit about who you are and what you're going through. Again, thank you for joining us today on the Creativity Cocktail powered by Rising Tide.